0: Welcome to the Not Just a Pony Ride podcast, presented to you by Hedger University. If you've landed here, you're probably passionate about how horses help people. Whether you're an instructor, therapist, in the business, or have experienced equine assisted services yourself, we're glad you're here. Join us as we talk about the benefits, the science, to-dos, how-tos, and all of the reasons why what we do is so much more than just a pony ride. And now, from the Hetero Campus in Gretna, Nebraska, here's your host, Occupational Therapist, Katie King.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We are excited to start planning for Season 3 of the podcast for 2023. And I'm starting to put together a list of topics from the questions that you guys gave us on the Facebook page. So if you haven't already and you're like, gosh, I'd really like to know more about this or that, or give us some more ideas about this. Uh, Go over to the Facebook page and find the giveaway tab. I pinned it, excuse me, giveaway post. I pinned it to the top of the Facebook page. So you should be able to see it. If you ask your question in that comments thread, I will enter you for a chance to win a t-shirt. So go over and ask your questions and hopefully you'll hear it on an episode in 2023. So that brings me to today's episode. Today's episode was a question asked by Amanda on our Facebook page, and she wanted us to do an episode on eGala so that we could learn more about their organization and what they have to offer uh, equine professionals. So today I have Amy and Brenda on the show, and they're going to tell us just that about eGala. Enjoy. Thank you for joining me today, Brenda and Amy. I am... Thank
0: you, Katie. Hi.
1: I am looking forward to learning more about eGala today and you guys sharing the the journey of the organization and what they can offer for us. So why don't we kick it off with some introductions so we all know who we're talking to. Um, Amy, do you want to start?
2: Sure. Um, Hi, I'm Amy Blossom. I am the eGala CEO. Um, I'm located in Illinois, Elgin, Illinois, and um, I've been with eGala for over 20 years. I was... member, then I was a board member for six years, and then I became a trainer and have continued being a trainer through today um, as an equine specialist um, and also as a mental health professional, but my primary role is equine specialist. And then in the last uh, two years ago, um, I became the EGALA CEO, so able to um, help EGALA on different levels through the years.
1: Very good. How did you get your start in I guess, equine assisted therapies and and in, in this world, how did you find it?
2: Yeah. So, um, I grew up with horses, had horses, my life, my whole life, different horses from the time I was about six years old. Um, went to college, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, wanted something to do with horses, but there really wasn't a career like this at the time. Um, and so I went into the business world. Um, I did get a psychology degree and went into the business world and kept my feet wet with the you know, horses and riding instruction and helping to train and, you know, helping as an assistant barn manager on the, on the side. And, um, so really wanting to always go back to that. And then at some point, um, we had moved to a, we had moved to a horse property. We were, I was teaching riding lessons there with my own horses and somebody gave me a flyer for this equine assisted growth and learning association. This was back in 1999. So it was quite a little bit ago. So I went to the training, the gala training, and it was just everything that I loved about horses and how they help people. Um, Everything that I love about helping people and collaborating with other people to, and horses to provide that was exactly what, you know, it was, that was my aha moment. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So here I am.
1: Beautiful. I love when the two worlds collide, right? That's how a lot of us end up here is we want to help people and we love our horses and aha, it shows up. <laughs> exactly. And we also have Brenda on today. Brenda, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Hi, I'm Brenda Hunter. And my role with the is as a mental health professional. I've been with the Gala about 20 years now. And, and similar to Amy of had many different roles and progression through EGALA. I was one of the founding members of the EGALA's ethics committee, uh, chaired that committee for many years, have been an EGALA mentor and been an ongoing EGALA trainer, and now in this role as member services director. So had lots of different roles and ways of um, supporting our members in this organization and in trying to offer EGALA services um as a mental health form of treatment to to consumers
1: very nice well thank you both for being on today do let's talk first just briefly so some of our listeners might not know what eGala does or what they can offer so someone want to touch base on on just the organization in general
2: yeah i'll start that off and then brenda you can you know add to it um Egal is an international nonprofit organization established in 1999. The original idea came from two people: who a social worker and um, another worker at a residential treatment center who was bringing the clients down to the horses. And the two of them together realized that that was ca- that was creating change in the the, the youth that were there it was for youth at risk. Um, And and that was kind of the beginnings of EGALA. Um, So like I said, EGALA had had been formed in 1999. And we have gone from, when I went to my first training, we had 35 members in the world in 1999. And now we have almost 2,500 members in the world. We have over 800 programs. Actually, I looked um, at the statistics on that the other day. It's closer to 900 now um, programs throughout the world. EGALA requires an equine specialist, so a person who has a minimum of really the equivalent of three years full-time experience with horses, directly working with them, understanding horse behavior. We we can probably talk about that more in depth later, too. Um, You might have more questions about that. But an equine specialist who's qualified, a mental health professional who's qualified in their state or country, always working together in the work that we do um, as a team. So it's a team approach with at least one horse. Often it's multiple horses for different reasons, and we can talk about that more as well. So, these are our four standards. It's a team approach, um, it's 100% on the ground. So, in any Gala program, there's not riding, it's all on the ground, interacting with horses in different ways. The team comes up with different ideas based on what the client brings with them. Um, and it's really um, solution oriented. That's another um, standard. Solution oriented, meaning that we feel like our clients are the best experts to find their own solutions if we can give them the opportunity to explore with the horses and find those answers. So to me as a, as a horse professional as well, that hundred percent on the ground, it doesn't mean that we don't think that there are benefits for certain reasons for riding. I mean, I per- personally ride and, you know, my family members have competed and, you know, we have show horses too. And, you know, I have an appreciation for horses on all levels, but we believe that on the ground, the horses can be their most honest selves when they're interacting with people, they can react, they can respond they have the freedom to take care of themselves. They can move farther away. They can move closer. They can really show their true personality. And so for me, that's the big reason why I believe that 100% on the ground, any gala model is, is important and so effective. And then the other standard, the fourth standard is the ethics-based. So everything that we do, we want to do through an ethics lens. What is in the best interest of our clients? What is in the best interest of our horses? you know, how do we have continuous education as professionals to be the best we can be for our clients who come to us and trust us? Um, so that's kind of some general overview of EGALA. Brenda, what what would you add to
0: that? Well, I wanted to add, as as you were talking about the so, the solution-oriented um, approach, <clears throat> that's really what drew me to EGALA initially as a mental health professional, because I, I didn't have a course experience when I first was introduced to EGALA and I had an opportunity where I was in a residential treatment program with youth and, to, and one of my clients was selected to receive a donation of this equine assisted psychotherapy and I was like wow okay and and I had to go along as, as the client's therapist and just That some of the things Amy's talking about, that the feedback, the honest feedback from the horses, and just how much more effective that feedback from the horses, the working with the horses helped the clients find those solutions far quicker than I could in doing more traditional office-based therapy, Mm -hmm. and just that was the power of of this work that I saw very quickly of the effectiveness and how much quicker we could help clients find some solutions for themselves to give them that more of that insight, understanding and awareness of what it whatever challenges it is that they're working with.
1: Yeah. And kind of that, that personal autonomy of, of finding their own way and their own solutions with the, you know, horses as a partner, I think is, can be really powerful for a lot of clients. So let's talk a little bit about um, the professionals that are involved. So um, you said a mental health professional and an equine specialist. So I have a few questions. So the mental health professional, does it need to be a licensed, um, you know, mental health, social work, something like that? Or do you have other types of therapists involved that have a mental health lens?
0: So from the mental health. Uh, professional and. so the model is a minimum of a mental health professional and an equine specialist. Mm-hmm. We can talk about some other professionals after this, but the minimum mm-hmm. is always there is a mental health professional and an equine specialist. And yes, by a mental health professional, it's a, a professional that is licensed or in other countries, it's called certified or whatever. It's called by that country, by that state that a person has demonstrated minimum requirements to that state's regulating body uh, based on education experience that that their state, their country deems them or their regulatory body says yes, you're qualified to provide mental health counseling. So that's a Egala itself does not certify a mental to somebody to be a mental health professional. People become certified through Egala. And they come to us, demonstrating that they they meet their state's criteria qualifications to be recognized as as a mental health professional. So, okay. um, so I'll answer the the mental health lens, and then maybe you can answer your the es part of that, and then we can add on to other specialized professionals.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then I just wanted to add on the mental health side. You know, Katie, there are a lot of people who are interested, younger people and people who want a new career who are interested in becoming a mental health professional so they can do this work. You know, maybe they have horse experience, maybe they don't have experience with horses. That's one thing that I do love about this model is that the mental health professional doesn't have to have any horse experience at all. That is the role of the equine specialist. We bring these two lenses together, and that's very important. So I mean, I'm gonna bounce it back to you, Brenda, to you know, what would you say to those people who are interested in a career in the mental health side of this? Because I, I think that's that's where we really want to go as an organization to help foster that. Because I didn't have that when I was younger. And boy, would it have been great. Um, it took me a lot longer to get there. Um and I'm thankful for that journey. And we still want to be able to reach back and, and help foster um interested people in this in this program.
0: I think one of the things in today's world compared to like when Amy and I got started some 20 years ago as as Amy mentioned we do have close to 900 egala programs so as as somebody who was interested in this as a career maybe they're going to graduate school they could look at um, connecting with some of these gala programs and possibly doing some kind of internship um, in that mental health role under a licensed Mental health professional supervision. So I see a lot more opportunities today compared to twenty years ago. Just with having more programs, and and if and knowing that it's out there, if you're if you're wanting to be in the role of a mental health professional, but you know you would like to do something using horses in your mental health professional role, is advocating with your universities and talking to your your instructors and faculty, saying. Hey, there's this other approach of therapy, and I'd like to explore this further. And finding that support to sort of you could almost um, make your own path in in graduate school, you know, to have a little bit of that and, and incorporate that, so that when you did finish school, you'd be ready to start providing EGAL model services.
1: So let's talk about the the equine specialist portion of things. Amy, do you want to field that?
2: Yeah. So like I said, um, it really comes down to a minimum of three full-time years of work with horses directly. It doesn't mean that you have to have worked three full-time years, but the equivalent of that. And again, that's a minimum. So that's, I think it's 6,000 hours is the minimum requirement. And within the last two years, you have to have a minimum of 40 hours of experience. Um, when people come to me and ask me as an equine specialist trainer or as an equine specialist in general like, what do I do if I'm interested in this field? Similar to the conversation we had about the mental health side. I recommend people go work with barns that have multiple horses. You know, it's great if you have your own horse and you've got lots of years of experience with that horse, but the more horse interactions we can experience, you know, making decisions like what horses do I put in this paddock together and why? Which horses would I not put into that paddock and why? What makes it different when they're being fed in that paddock together and which combinations I would put together? Like those things are really important because it also then applies to which horses might I put together with clients, with these clients, and why or why not? You know, all horses have something special they can bring to this session. And we as equine specialists need to really be able to know the horses, to know how to know the horses. And to know the horses in relation to their other relationships with horses. So this horse with this horse, this horse with this horse with when this one is added, you know, these two when that one's not there. Like the nuances of all of that is such an important skill set for the equine specialist to bring in. So yes, there are universities and programs that have equine studies programs. That's great if they get those kinds of experiences hands-on with horses, training experiences. Um, I really encourage equine specialists to broaden their experience, not just learn from one trainer. Learn from as you know, as many different philosophies around horse training as possible. Um, another example is even disciplines in riding. I think you know, even though this isn't one hundred percent on the ground model, how we as horse professionals interact with horses in the training realm on the ground, riding them, the ways we communicate with them, and the way we know they the ways we know they communicate back. All of those things really do apply to this role in this work.
1: So, how do you so, recommend that someone? Um, do you do you require like proof of those hours, or do you know how do you go about that? If say I say I grew up with horses, and I'm not sure if I meet the requirements, or you know, whatever that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, and it is it is hard because at this point, a lot of it is still on the honor system, and usually. You know, usually people mean well and they want to get involved in this work. and so they want to have the skill sets they that they need um, and the confidence that they need to be able to step in the arena, you know, as a part of a team to serve clients. So that's the good news is most people want to know how to do that. Um so I think that, well, we have our trainings, for example, that's one place we have people before they come to the trainings, they fill out a professional portfolio that talks about their role, the, the role that they are planning to go into. There's a thought process to that with specific questions around that, around the experience. Um, in some countries, it's easy because they're required, well, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's it's easy to at least demonstrate that foundational level of expertise. For example, in England, there's the British Horse Society. They have to have completed that training, which is extensive, to be able to even teach a riding lesson. And so in some countries, it's easier to check that off. Oh, yeah, you've done that. So you've at least met the minimum requirements. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to be great at this work. You know, there's there are a lot of things that bring people to um, being really qualified for this work. Um, but that's a starting point in the United States. We don't have as much of that. I know that there are several organizations working toward that, and I'm really a fan of that idea. Um, you know, at some point, as gala, we would love to have more of a qualifying testing or something to help demonstrate the skill sets. Um, right now, that professional portfolio and that guided thought process is the most helpful way. And then when they come to the trainings, we're able to help them with new skills and learning new skills, practicing new skills, um, practicing new skills with others and with horses, with a variety of horses. That's why virtual learning really doesn't isn't very effective in the beginning with this work. Right. We have to teach mm-hmm. with horses. Um, it's very, you know, I don't see how you could not um So those kinds of experiences, and then people can go into, we have networking groups so people can practice their skills within their role. We have different opportunities with, um, I don't want to say internships, but there are different kinds of experiences that different, different workshops, different trainings, different um, things that are being held by other EGALA members even um, that can help build those skill
1: sets. Good. So lots of opportunity to continue to build them if you don't already have all of those pieces in place. So I guess as we're kind of, we can kind of move through this in almost like a sequential way. Okay. So we're interested, we're either a mental health professional or we're someone who qualifies for the equine specialist. Um, now I'm interested in in certifying or becoming a member or that type of thing. So can you walk me through kind of um, maybe Brenda, what it means to be a member and then maybe how that certification
0: process works. Mm -hmm. And I also want to just add, we didn't get to, you know, we do, people can become EGALA certified as other specialized professionals. Right, yes. So when I said it's a minimum of a mental health professional equine specialist, often um, adding another specialized professional, depending on the population you're working with, can further enhance the, the therapy that you're doing with that client. Mm-hmm. Um, some examples, um, we've done some work with eating disorders and have had a nurse be mm-hmm. a third team member in providing the the Igala model services or a nutritionist. So in that example, they add that extra lens of their specialty area and when you're working with a client population that in which they have that area specialty, it furthers the depth and the learning of the client's experience in that session. So I just wanted to make that clear that yeah. there could be other, other professionals that are interested in becoming certified. We welcome them to become certified. And it, if they would, the difference is that they would be a third person on a NIGALA team because there would still need to be an equine specialist and a mental health professional and to add real quick on the reason for like that mental health professional even if you're doing we do equine assisted learning which isn't necessarily mental health therapy focused mm-hmm. or counseling focused but the work the work through the horses can get um quickly get to people's emotions and and their mental well-being without them even being prepared or realizing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so having always having that mental health professional there is having a qualified person to help somebody if if it's getting more and in an, an uh, emotional mental well-being space wow. that they need to be taken care of.
1: Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about a little bit a little bit about what it means to be in a gala member and then we can talk about kind of the certification process.
0: Yeah. So a person when they get registered to attend a training they can't they automatically become a member also people can become what we similar a subscriber so they have access to um various information we offer various meetings we offer so people as a subscriber they can start to learn more. Like maybe there's somebody who's like, you know, I'm sort of interested in this, but I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to like going to get certified. So it's sort of like to just sort of hang out for a while and hear what they're doing. We have bi-monthly member meetings and when um, that are offered and people attend those, we give all the the newest and updated education information around EGALA model in those meetings and they they can take part in those. Um, just various news and resources that we have available, so um, so people can choose that route as a subscriber when they if they know they want to attend a training. Then even if that training's next November, they're they're active as a member and they have access to all these same resources, so they can jump right in and and get connected to their local networking groups to participate in these bi monthly meetings and things like that. So then. They did you have a question on that? Nope. Okay. So then they decide they want to get certified. So they register and they attend. It's a four and a half day in-person training, or we call it the fundamentals training. So it's teaching the, the skill set. It breaks all the skill sets down one by one and teaches the skill sets that are utilized in facilitating Egala model services and the Trainings are done experientially with horses. So we have some didactic teaching on a skill set, and then participants go and then practice with with the horses and start practicing how to do this. So it's a very experiential based, breaking those skill sets down, progressively building okay, here's here's one of the core earlier basic ones you need to know. Let's practice that. And then, adding on and adding on and adding on so by the end of the four and a half days they've learned and practiced all the skill sets and then they become igala certified their certification is good go ahead
1: are those four and a half day trainings um do they happen all you know wherever the trainers go to do they have different host sites and that type of thing or is it all done in one location
2: yeah, so we have Egala trainings around the world and excited to now that things have opened up, we're able to get more out there. Um this coming year, we have 24 fundamentals trainings scheduled in the in the United States this year. We move around to different states. We have hosts who offer their facilities. We do have some minimum requirements for that. Um one being that at least one of the host team must be Egala certified because what we do is very different. And so to make sure that the horses are suitable for this training, that's four and a half days for the facility to have what it needs for us to have up to 35 people attending, to be able to handle the catering and and all these different things that are part of it. And we do have, I guess, what I would call a a host training kind of process as well. Um, We hope that hosts have some experience in providing, you know, events at their facilities it's a nice way to showcase their facilities as well Um, and we have a certain budget related to that we send our trainers we send one equine specialist trainer and one mental health professional trainer we have trainers around the world so we send a team to each training and um, the location can vary depending on like we'd send our trainers to different locations by design we don't want to always have the same trainers at the same location because we want even those local people that are driving to be able to experience different you know all the trainers that we have are excellent they have different um different private practices that they work in and they have different styles and so we want people to experience that it's we don't want you to learn to do the igalo model just like us we want you to take your own style and bring it in to use the skill sets and 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 build that and so in experiencing different trainers different trainings that can really help people to understand that and and reduce some of the pressure as well.
1: Right. So during those four and a half day trainings, those are both the equine specialists and the mental health professionals that are there to learn about the model and kind of what their roles are, you know, kind of separately as professionals, right?
2: Exactly. Separately and together, the equine specialist trainers role is to help the equine specialist better understand their role, to think about considerations with the horses, with spaces um, and interactions with clients in working with a mental health professional and also to help the mental health professionals understand a little bit more about working with equine specialists. And the mental health professional does all that on their side. And so we really do demonstrate in our team as we facilitate, we we demonstrate our roles as we do that. We're role models as trainers throughout the training, we stay within our roles, even if we're qualified as both. If I'm right. at a training as a specialist trainer. I do not have my mental health hat on, and vice versa. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that and, and I would add as yeah as at a training as a mental health professional, it's the, one of the the skill sets that can be challenging to us as mental health professionals is learning to ask questions through the horses
1: because mm-hmm. we very
0: quickly can be like, oh yeah, tell me more about that, or and rather it's and what happened with the the horse when this was going on. So it's um, learning sort of how to ask questions differently because we're utilizing the horses. This is equine assisted psychotherapy. The horse is the one that's, that's really directing. So a lot of, from the mental health lens, my, you know, my learning experience over the years is it's like, have it that's an unlearning thing so to speak for me as a as a therapist of wait wait okay don't ask it this way let's try to figure out a way to make keep the horses at the center Mm -hmm. and asking the questions to the horses and that's really what then gets them having that solution finding that solution because we keep going through the horses
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that, I mean, obviously that you learn in the training, but, and that's intuitive to people that, you know, I'm sure practice the model now, but thinking about that from my point of view, who haven't, I haven't been trained in the model, you know, and using the horse as your, your conduit of that, of that Mm -hmm. change, I'm sure is hard for mental health therapists who are used to just doing traditional talk therapy where you're like, Okay, now tell me about that, right? Instead, we're Mm -hmm. using the horse as our mirror. I love that. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about Hetra's mentoring program? 30 years ago, Hetra started with one participant and a handful of volunteers. Today, we're a large, striving organization that wants to share our experience with you. We know that the work you're doing is extremely beneficial, but we also know how incredibly difficult it can be. Let us help you understand all aspects of your program from volunteer coordination, horse management, finances, fundraising, and everything in between so that you can sustain a successful, thriving organization. Get started now with a free 15-minute consultation. All you have to do is a quick survey and we'll match you with the best HETRA staff member for your needs. Go to hetrauniversity.org now and click on mentoring.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And really throughout there, it's a shift for the equine specialists too because Mm -hmm. many of us come from the world of horsemanship and so and taught specific things. And when we teach, we teach a certain way. And so it's really, we have to expand our, you know, our ability to be present for the session, to really allow the horses to do their job, to not need it to be about us teaching, you know, because really it's experiential. So to allow our clients to find their own way, we have to allow them to find their own way.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: and that can be really hard in the beginning, um, especially when we're thinking about, you know, it, it, we have to learn some different things about how we look at safety and, and our beliefs around horsemanship and the importance of it. And is there just one way to approach a horse? You know, and I think when we really start to think about that, is there just one way to get a horse to move? You know, we, you know we're taught, many of us are taught things like you must stand on the left side and walk at the shoulder when you're leading a horse. Do we have to, you know, will the earth still spin if we do something different? And if, if our clients come up with their own way, is that not okay? And that goes back to the equine specialists really needing to know their horses, you know, and then we have to learn to trust our horses within that and, you know, and select horses that can manage in this space and navigate, um, in a way that's, that's reasonably safe. So our clients can have these experiences with the horses and the team and have growth from it.
1: I love that. I love that so much. I think oftentimes we get um, very rigid in the ways that we do things. And I think there is something to be said about about that for the, um, let's see, this, the sanity, I guess, of our horses. I think about like um, programs that have, you know, a large horse herd with large number of volunteers handling them every day. So it's important that kind of everybody does it a similar way so that they're not like, what do you want from me? Nobody does it this way. Right. But when we're talking about being in a session with a client and letting them explore their own ways of doing things, I think that there's something to be said for that, you know, method as well. And being able to have horses that are flexible in both realms, I guess is would be an important part of it.
2: Yeah. And I think it really helps in my experience through the years. um, I've had, I don't know, probably 50 different horses, at least by now at this point, um, In my life probably more than that probably 100 but they've become so resilient they've become so flexible they they become curious instead of being you know worried about change and things that are different and so um i think we have to really respect that in certain programs yes certain types of things that we're doing with horses with clients there do need to be some very you know rigid ways things are done because there's the client that maybe on the horse, like in, you're talking about occupational therapy Mm -hmm. in that kind of context that that's understandable. Um, and in, in the barn context, I agree. If we've got all these different horses and you have all these different people coming in, you know, the program has to have the freedom to do what it needs to do for the, for the program's best interest and for the horse's best interest. And then we just need to remember, you know, that the horse's are also individuals with their own individual needs and personalities. And so I love that in this type of program, the horses get that space. Like this is the program where they get to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen that with so many of our horses where they're like, Oh, this is that thing. And I love it because of that. So they can be versatile. They can go and be in a show and wear the horsemanship halter and know that that's that job. I don't move my feet unless I'm told to. And, and then come to the gala session and be like, Ooh, this is this, I get to do whatever I think I need to do in, real, in relation to the client. So it's really neat when you can see the horses understand that there is a difference.
1: Hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So look at us go. We are all, we're all, 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 <laughs> all on track. I love it though. That's the way this goes. So in kind of coming back to the certification process and we get through these you know, four days and then is there some sort of formal test or is there something that you guys do then that then makes people certified?
0: There are some, we have a post-assessment that's an online exam, so to speak questionnaire that is showing, ask multiple choice questions that, that demonstrates that they've learned some of the, the key learning objectives from the training and and then an a, tra- an a training evaluation that we ask them to complete and so after they complete the four and a half days and they do the evaluation and the post assessment then they they're certified and they're certified for 2 years from the date that they finished the training and then um in order to maintain or or continue certification certified members have to obtain over the course of that 2 years 20 hours of egala model specific continued education and then they pay a renewal a biennial renewal fee and then their um, their certification is maintained and extended for another two years. So it's a two- year renewal process. Um, the the continuing education can be in many forms. It can be returning to a fundamentals training. Amy mentioned we have a lot of other, Specialty trainings that we can offer, Um, and every other year there's some online options to do online learning. So we try to ride many different opportunities, knowing we have a challenging world right now Mm -hmm. in terms of people and travel, and and how people, how professionals, you know, need to try to maintain their education in their specialties.
2: You know, there is, you know, historically, um, we do have a conference every other year. So right now what we're working on is that at the end of 2023, is it in the beginning of 2024? So hopefully we'll have the answer to that question pretty soon. Um, but every other year is, a, is our conference, um, which is great because then we have about 500 people typically attending um, for multiple days, learning all different things about how to use a gala model And work with horses and teams to do this work with different specialties. And then there's also a live, you know, horse demonstrations, the whole day of that where you can, you know, you learn by watching or or experiencing, um, you know, this work as well.
1: I think that's something that is, should be said about the work that we do, especially because every person is different. And every horse is different, right? So it's like we could walk into any given session and it could be, you know, we could go through plan A, B, C, D, E and and still not be where we need to be sometimes. So I think that experiential part is really important, being able to watch sessions and learn from from the responses, because that horse might not respond the same every time, or that that person wouldn't either. So that experiential piece I think is really important. Do you guys bring um like mock clients or, or clients in when you do some of your trainings and your certification so that that you can kind of see that real life exchange.
2: Yeah, great question. So at the training, what we do is we actually take turns in our practice teams and our small groups. We are we are put together as facilitation teams. So any client specialist with a mental health professional. And when you're not practicing as one of those, You are an observer or you are a client. And we, you know, we ask our participants to do that because they can best experience what it's like when the facilitation team uses the different EGALA skills in their session. They can experience that. What's helpful? What's less helpful? Um, What is it like to be in the client's shoes? Um, That's really important to do that. Um, So we, we don't bring in outside people, we feel like there's some ethical things around that as well. Um, And the the deep experiences that our attendees get at the trainings by being client, um, and being able to give legitimate feedback to the facilitators so versus role playing. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really valuable experience to be a client. with certain boundaries, of course, we're not asking people to come in and bring their, you know, deepest issue, you know, we, we give them the freedom to select something, it might be a professional growth goal, it might be my kids are going off to college, you know, it might be, you know, anything that they're comfortable in practicing with. And then we build on that through the training. And so through the course of those four and a half days, um, you know, there's actually a lot of personal and professional growth built in throughout the whole thing. So it's an added bonus.
1: Yeah,
0: I love that. Another thing that we offer is many, many of the states and many of the countries have established networking groups, and they're run by a networking group coordinator. And then they they meet at a minimum um, quarterly; some meet monthly. During during the pandemic, some of some of them were via Zoom, but at, the ideal is it's it's an opportunity for local professionals in that state to have an opportunity to gather who are gala certified and that's another opportunity where they can practice they can do some of this be in the role of a client continue to practice the skill sets maybe they come together and they provide a demonstration as a group to a potential um funder or something mm-hmm. like that so yeah. that's another opportunity like the more we can get more people out there working together practicing together the stronger the the model becomes.
1: Yeah. And I think if we're mindful of confidentiality, of course, kind of sharing some of our, our challenges and our wins too help helps other professionals see things through a different lens and can help that as well when networking, I feel like that's a good thing to do too. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So what makes, there's quite a few other um, kind of equine assisted psychotherapy and uh, mental health and learning. And there's quite a few other um, organizations that have been popping up kind of over the last few years, offering different types of certifications and that sort of thing. What makes eGala different? Or why would someone choose to go through eGala as opposed to maybe some of the other options that are available?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we can't speak for the other organizations because we don't represent them. And, you know, it wouldn't be fair. We don't fully understand the other organizations. We have educated ourselves with what else is out there. Um, you know, what what stands out to me for e- with the gala, why I chose the gala and why that continues to be the organization for me that um, that I support and feel the most strongly about is the standards that we set. You know, we set we set clear standards for the professionals that are required to be a part of our sessions, Um, the team approach. I think that's very important and valuable for so many reasons um, that that's part of our standards. And we hold to those standards and that ethics committee that we have. You know, they work to educate our members about ethics around our standards, around working with horses, around working with clients around business practices, even the fact that we have an ethics committee and that we as an organization support our members through their growth and learning. And we also hold all of ourselves accountable. That continuous improvement is always something that we value. It's not just getting a certificate and then, you know, check that off and 20 years later, you don't have to have learned anything else. Um, I think that's also important. Um, continuous improvement, continuing education, continuing um, And the focus on the horse, the focus on the role of the horse, I think is unique for EGALA because we do believe that the horse is the center of the work that we do. We believe that the important roles, the two lenses of the equine specialist and the mental health professional help bring that out, um, you know, and give the horse the opportunity. I like to say one of the most important parts of our job is to get out of the way and let the horses do their work. And there are a lot of specific skill sets that it takes to do that. So um, I think those are some things that, that make EGALA stand out for me. Um, the member support, the global member meetings that we have. We're all, as an organization, EGALA is supporting all of our members. We want everyone to succeed. You know, Our mission, well, our vision is so that everyone around the world would have access to EGALA model services. And so to do that, we need to have outreach. We need to promote this work. We need to promote standards of excellence, and member support. So that's my, my yeah. short answer to that
0: question. Question. I would add one more thing onto that, like yeah. from the mental health professional lens and asking that question, because um, it was all those similar things for me, what drew me to Igala as Amy, and just how effective was it 100% on the ground as a mental health modality of, of therapy? Versus others, so again, no no judgment about the others, but just knowing that this being 100% on the ground with the horses as a mental health professional, riding mental health counseling and knowing how effective that is.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you guys find that there are some, like say for example, a, a larger center that is you know has multiple different types of programs, so they might have a riding program, they might have um, you know, maybe veteran services or, you know, other things going on that you can be kind of a center could be dual credentialed and have an EGALA model, you know, program running and then also, you know, other programming too. I mean, can those things cohabitate well?
2: Oh, definitely. We have a lot of programs that do have multiple programs within their umbrella, Um plenty don't for other reasons you know i think one one thing we've got to mind, be mindful of is that you know the training and the um, qualifications of which team members are working with different types of clients um you know an example would be when you mentioned occupational therapy so you, you're not any gala certified occupational therapist you know you wouldn't that wouldn't apply to what you're doing with horses with clients in that other realm and so it's important for us to have clarity of the roles and the different programs that we're providing um, within our work, we don't have space for volunteers to be watching. Mm-hmm. Volunteers need to be qualified and have a have a clear, distinct, qualified role if they're participating in the session as a team member. Um, and, you know, just some of the ethics of how do we do we have clients in multiple programs at the same time? what is the progress or process of that? How do they get assigned to different programs? Those are things that are important to think about um, so that you're not having accidentally the, let's say, therapeutic writing program, incidentally soliciting the eGala program clients to their, you know, I think that there's just a lot of extra work that it takes, that mm-hmm. it takes to think through all of that on the ethics side. Um, and certainly there's no, there's no 8 rule that you cannot do those things as long as you're clear about them, and you you know we we would hope that you do them well. And we have a lot of programs we're really proud of that
0: do that. Mm-hmm. And and I would add a big picture. Amy mentioned the ethics um, for for businesses who have multiple programs that we're talking about. Then from the client or the consumer standpoint, just you have to be very very clear in the informed consent process whatever whatever it is they're receiving hippotherapy egala model that they're understanding you know we offer multiple programs and we are offering you this this type of program from our business, and this is what it looks like so that they truly have made that informed consent of of what service they're they're electing to have through you
1: and what do you guys suggest as far as an evaluation so if Say I, you know, you have a new client that comes to you and they say, you know, I'm interested in some mental health services. Do you guys, do you, do you folks do more of a, um you know, like a talk kind of session to get to know each other? Or do you jump right in with the horses and kind of have your first session?
2: Let me um, throw let me... off first, Brenda, before you answer that. Okay. The Gala as an organization doesn't have a set standard for what that needs to look like. We believe that the mental health professionals, who are qualified to make that judgment call and the programs who enlist them are capable of making their own decisions with the best interest of the clients in place. So just from an organizational perspective, there's not one answer to that. So Brenda, you answer from your professional role.
0: And again, it's, admit with me as a mental health professional, in that role doing any gala session, I still have some, just as if I were doing office-based therapy you know, I still have those those responsibilities, requirements like doing an informed consent, mm-hmm. and liability of release form, and informing them of my my limits to confidentiality. So that that has to happen in any. So those basics of providing mental health therapy still have to be there in Igala sessions. And then after that is where it's sort of tailored based on style of a mental health professional. How formal of a of an intake or an assessment do you do you want to do? Do you have some some te- some pen and, pen and paper tests that you you typically give? Um, do you do something where you get them out with the horses and do some some specific things that help you in making assessment? So that's where there's other than those four standards of of what Igala says is our our standards to adhere to. There's so much flexibility and creativity in how we do this mental health counseling through the horses. And and as mental health professionals, we still have to uphold and abide by whatever you know regulations are out there that we have to follow to provide mental health counseling. Right.
2: Just to add real quickly to that, because I know that you know you talked about multiple programs and the question coming a little bit from that side of it, I think our programs that do have multiple programs you know they work to have who is that frontline phone call or email who receives that if, you know i encourage people to have policies and procedures around that you know who gets that phone call who gets that email how do you decide where they go in our private practice we want to make sure that we're understanding what it is that they're looking for because like you use the word veterans or you know military we might have somebody who's contacting us because they are having a very deep you know, personal issue that they need to work through, or they might be contacting us because they want something to do on their weekends to help something in the community. And so unless we ask certain questions to help filter through that, we might make assumptions one way or another. And we just really need to, for the best interest of every person who contacts us, filter through that and make sure that we're plugging them into the right program with their permission.
1: Absolutely. I love that. I think that um, people seek out Courses for a number of reasons it could be could be anything and I think finding chiseling that down chiseling down and figure fig, fig, oh my gosh figuring that out is very important um when we consider multiple programs and and multiple folks that are seeking us for different reasons so well as we're kind of wrapping up here I think I've kept you gals long enough um I've had such a good conversation with you and I've learned a ton about eGala and, and what they can offer us Um, is there anything that you would add about seeking EGALA or, you know, choosing you guys as a certification? Yeah, I would add
2: that, um, our website is www.eagala.org, www.egala.org. Um, there is an events calendar on our website. So people are interested in looking at the events that are on there, the different options for trainings. Um, the registration process is pretty easy. Um, we do have um an email, equine at egala.org. Um, so if in doubt, go to the horse. And you know, we're always happy to help people with questions. Um, if there's, you know, anything with registration that they need help with, um, the logistics for each training are are listed under that events tab. So they can look at the location, they can pull up the address, they can, you know, see how far it would be to drive to it or what airport they would fly to. So You know, we really, um, you know, as a trainer, I, I love the experience of being at every different training because the groups are really unique and, and in their growth process. So we're really proud of what we do as an organization. We're always welcoming new members and, um, you know, that includes members who were long ago in the past and coming back, which we're seeing more and more recently, which is exciting. So, and we hope to see you at a training, Katie.
1: Yeah. So I um, went on your website and it's beautiful. It's very helpful. So I will put it in the um, show notes below and link it for everybody. So you can just scroll down and click on it um, and seek there for any information. It was it was really helpful for me just kind of going through and learning more about you guys too. So Brenda, would you add anything about if people are trying to seek eGala or um, answer any questions?
0: Yeah, I wanted to add a couple. Also at the top right, Um, as Amy was mentioning, there's an events page, there's certification. So Mm -hmm. it goes through all the details of what are the minimum requirements, what, you know, a lot of the questions you asked us today in this podcast, there's answers to those questions through that page by looking for certification. Mm -hmm. Also, when in on that certification page, there's what we call pre-training webinar. I think it's only about seven or eight minutes long. But it's actually um, a video um, talking through what is EGALA and what is EGALA model. So for people wanting to just learn a little more, um, that's another opportunity to get better understanding. And, and yeah, as Amy said, um, always just email equine at We We love to field questions and give answers and, and help people so that, you know, big picture we want. We want for EGALA to be able to be offered to everybody around the world.
1: Very good. Okay. Well, before I let you go, I always end my podcast with the same question. So Amy, I'll let you start. Why do you keep doing what you're doing with EGALA? What motivates you to keep going every day? Well,
2: my belief from an early age that horses have so much to offer us, that they've taught me so much about confidence and boundaries and you know all different kinds of things that I learned from the horses in my life that now with the ability to provide that opportunity for people um I love that we're able to provide you know a, a, an emotionally safe place for people to come and explore we've had clients who will tell us that it was the horses that made them not be able to take those pills or to be able to you know to be able to move away from something that was bad for them, you know, like they've, they've given the horses and this team credit for life changes, and then they're able to give themselves credit for that too. So for me, being able to have seen that, you know, from a, from a personal perspective, and then seeing that through clients who maybe wouldn't be alive today if they hadn't had this experience. So I really want as many people to have access to this as possible, give the horses the opportunity to help these people. So for me, that's, that's really the foundation of
0: my why
1: beautiful what about you brenda what's your why why do you keep doing what you're doing with egala
0: it, it's very similar to amy and, and as i mentioned we started this just as a mental health professional who didn't know about horses when i started and then seeing how the power of the work that the horses can offer to to mental health clients in in empowering them and helping them find solutions and my why is our world can be has always been but more recently probably even more challenging to to mental health I wish everybody could have access to this because it's it's just in my opinion more effective than office-based therapy not saying office-based therapy is not effective just there's something different about it and it gets to the the issue and the healing quicker. And so that's my why of why I keep keep doing this, because I want to see more and more people have access to this.
1: Absolutely. I know here at Hetro we've seen a huge increase in the need for mental health services, and I'm sure there's that similar experience all across the country and the world right now with the climate that we're in. So Um, If you're listening right now and you have a friend that's in um, the mental health field or, you know, has been around horses a long time and and might be interested in this kind of work, I would encourage you to um, send this podcast to them or send them over to egala.org or give them a resource because I think you're right, Brenda. I think there's something special about using the horse as our our conduit and as our partner and um, it can be really effective. So if we work together, we can help a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thanks for having us, Katie.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. and who knows? maybe we'll have you on again. I, I have lots of questions still that I didn't um, we didn't get to, so maybe we'll have you on again sometime. That'd be be happy great.
0: Thanks, Katie. Bye Bye
1: Thanks for listening to another episode. Until the next one launches, stay connected to our community by joining the Not Just a Pony Ride Facebook group. There, we share exclusive educational content, answer your questions, and review new and exciting developments for the EAS community. Don't forget, if you have suggestions for future episode topics or a lead on a great guest that you think our audience would enjoy, click on the link in the show notes or visit us at hetrauniversity.org. This podcast is presented by Hetra University, an educational arm of the Heartland Equine Therapeutic Writing Academy. HETRA University's mission is to provide high-quality educational offerings to our participants and the EAS community. If you'd like to help us work toward our mission, you can make a donation by visiting us online at hetra.org. Again, I can't thank you all enough for helping HETRA change lives, one stride at a time.